0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Well, happy Palm Sunday to everyone. I am so glad to be with you uh, this Sunday morning. Uh, Excited to share with you what God has uh, been working through our sermon club and put on my heart this week. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm the lead pastor. My name is Josh Gray. And it's just interesting. And you got to acknowledge the reality that things have changed. I, uh, as I think about how, how I'm here with two people in a room and, and preaching, uh, God's word to, uh, to a camera, it's different. It's just different. And I know I'm learning and growing in this process. And I thank you for that grace that you uh, give me, or at least I'm hoping that you give me, but um, I'm excited for someday for us to be able to get back together as a family. I'm giving you my virtual hug, my virtual handshake. I miss you guys a ton. Um, just to updates. Our staff has been working really, really hard. I believe we made over a thousand phone calls this week. Uh, to connect with people and our home groups are going great. Um, I know I love my home group that we meet every Sunday night and, and doing life together and, uh, getting to see them. Uh, funny things that happened this week. I had, uh, someone come by my house and they put a roll of toilet paper. I should have brought it. They put a roll of toilet paper in my mailbox and it said, we love you on it. And there was a tithe check inside the roll of toilet paper. Now, you do not need to bring the tithe checks to my house. That's not how it uh, typically works. But I was honored to take that from those folks and, and and put it into our offering count. And And thank you guys so much for being uh, faithful. I've got some pretty cool stories that I'll, that I'll tell here throughout the sermon, um, one in particular about generosity that's happening. But thank you for being generous, and thank you for continuing to be faithful to the kingdom um obviously there's different ways uh that we're giving. A lot of you are giving of your time, uh you're giving of your talent, you're giving of your treasure, you're you're giving of your heart, you're you're throwing your heart into God's Word and in a mighty way. Uh you're growing personally and taking this opportunity to change who you are and let God mold you and change you as we continue on with our mission and vision does not change, regardless of what virus is or isn't out there. We are here to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And and we do that as a body. We do that as a community. And so I want to thank you uh, for your faithfulness uh, this last week and for the weeks to come. And as we continue to have the privilege and honor to operate as a church and the privilege and honor to serve our community as well. And so uh, obviously we have different ways to give. You can give via uh, the text uh, texting portion of it, you can give uh, via the push pay app, which is really the easiest way to give and get yourself set up on on recurring giving, is what I've done and what we encourage. And again, Carrie and I are all in. We're being uh, more generous and just trying to continue to to to, to believe that God's uh, got us and got this. And so, thank you for your faithfulness uh, with your tithes and offerings and uh, believing in the mission and vision of what God's doing here at Real Life. So. A quick um, moment of review for all of us. If you missed the last uh, three weeks, we're in week four of what did Jesus think he was doing? And so in week one, uh, we talked about uh, Jesus reestablishing uh, the relationship uh, that was broken in the garden. He was reestablishing it through this covenant. And in week two, we talked about the temple and where the temple went from tabernacle to an actual uh, a temple to Jesus Christ. And now that we are the church, we are the church. The church is not a building; it's not a place with a steeple or a cross. The church is in us, and we are to bring the church to the world. It's where it's where God brings heaven and and earth together. And then last week, um, we discussed the 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 real uh, certainty of of this Passover time. And how Jesus became the Passover and what did Jesus think he was doing is that he thought he was bringing the new exodus, the new exodus and bringing us out of captivity and having the opportunity to be connected with a real living God. And so this week, as we continue on in our sermon series of what did Jesus think he was doing? And first of all, do I really know? Like what Jesus thought he was doing. Was I there? Did I ask him? No, these are just observations that we would make, uh, based on the entirety of the text as we look at it. And I'm sure there's different viewpoints, but it's kind of fun. And I've always wondered this, you know, what was Jesus thinking? What were, what was he thinking as he was approaching this time? And so, um, I believe, uh, that Jesus was starting a revolution, a revolution that we are Continuing to talk about and continuing to participate in over two thousand years later. So, uh, as we think about this, he was here to to redefine the structure and power of what it would look like for the 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 King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to reign in our hearts again and to reign here again. He was here to to show us. Say, let me. He said, let me show you how to be a different human being. And so I think uh, the first part I wanted to go over is like, well, what were the expectations? Because the Jews were anticipating Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah and it wouldn't be too far-fetched to think they would be looking for something that was similar that they had seen before and that they had experienced before with Moses. Who is gonna come and lead us out of here? Who is going to take us away from these oppressors? Take us away from the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Romans and these people that are holding us down? And who's going to pay them back? Who's going to pay them back? And so, uh, but instead what they're observing is that God continues to send them prophets year after year after year, hundreds of years, and and they keep coming back and he's telling, the prophets are telling the same thing over and over again stop, stop rebelling against God. It's not Rome. It's not the Babylonians. It's not the Assyrians that are the problem. No, but it's their problem. It's their problem. And I do this now, and I'm sure we do this now. It's the blame game. Whose fault is it that this virus is over here? Let's blame somebody. Whose fault is it? And so they didn't they, they, they were pointing fingers as well but God said, "Hey you're worshiping you're worshiping bits and pieces of creation rather than the God who did the creating idolatry in the world at that time with uh, sex money and power and vi- and violence and fertility and let's take a look at Venus and Aphrodite and and all of these things that we can worship other." than God. And because of this rebellion, it led to a sinful life. And it's the same sinful life that we struggle with today, that I struggle with. And when we worship the wrong God, when I worship the wrong God, it leads to very wrong behavior. And so I got to ask myself the questions. Where have I worshiped? The wrong gods in my life. Is it in money? Is it in titles? Is it in power? Is it in control? And let me just pause. Like, I know maybe I've, I've kind of feel like I've been coming off the top ropes on money. We need a bunch of really, really, really wealthy Christians that God has a hold of their heart, that he has given them the gift of being amazing tent makers, and money just falls upon them in a mighty, mighty way, and they have a heart to push it towards God's mission, towards the mission and vision that God would have for the church, that he would wish that none would be lost. And so uh, I'm all, if you have 20 bathrooms I—and and and you're blessed by God, I want you to have 40 bathrooms. If you've got a 10,000, 20, 50,000 square foot house, fill it up with people, fill it up. And so money is not a bad thing. It's, it's just if it becomes our controlling thing, if it's the, the thing that's driving me to do everything that I do and I cut corners and cut my relationship with God to chase after anything, then I'm in sin. And so as I think back on my life, when I had wor- started worshiping other gods, you know, what was the result of my life? Did it go better for me long-term, short-term? Who had to pay the price for that? for me, worshiping the wrong gods. Which is why it is so critical for us today to stay focused, to stay focused and on worshiping during times of scarcity and during times of abundance. But when we worship, we make sure that God gets our best attention. And so here we are, the Israelite people have rebelled against God in idolatry and walked away from true worships. True worshiping him. And both of these behaviors have led into sin, and that has caused separation from God. And what do we call sin when we call ourselves separated from God, being separated from God the Father? You know what I call it? I call it hell. And I have chosen to live on occasion in a living hell. And I am so glad that I continue to go to my Father so I will not be separated from him in an eternal hell. I want to be with him. I've tried it out here on earth and it's not that great. And there are people walking around our communities that are actually living in hell. They are separated from God right here, right now on this earth. And it's our job to connect with them. And so these Israelites, in their minds, uh, this is the way that they've been in years of oppression and captivity. They've been separated from God for years. And this was the problem confronting Israel. Uh, And the world was rebellion. And so what do we think God was doing or Jesus was doing? He said he came to reclaim this creation. He's come to break the grip of sin and darkness behind those idols in my life and those idols in your life. And he's come to deal with my sins. He came and dealt with them. On the cross, and he's coming to deal with your sins and all the sins of the world. There's so much darkness that he was dealing with. And so Jesus began his ministry to break the power of evil, sin, and death. He proclaimed, I am the source of God's blessing. He said, I have come to bring good news to the world. He said, I've come to set you free. And I don't know about you guys sitting today on your couch with your family. And when I'm sitting there, I feel pretty free. But I'm not. I'm not free of worry. I'm not free of addictions just like anybody else. I'm not free of pride. And I need that freedom that he came to offer us. And so do you. And we need to ask God to identify those places in our life. Lord, show me where I'm held in bondage. Help me to get free, Father. In Luke 4, 14 through 21, this is uh, Jesus, is, he's returned to the Galilee in the power of the spirit. I love that line. Uh, Jesus returned to the Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on Sabbath day, he went into the synagogues as he was accustomed. He stood up to read uh, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it was written and says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom, for the prisoners, recovery for the sight of the blind, and to set the oppressed free. Thank you, Lord. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled the scroll back up and gave it to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, the scriptures have filled in your hearing, this is the revolution. He said, I am here. It is me. I am here. And he brought, announcing a new exodus, a new king, and a new kingdom were in control. And as he finished off what he came to do, 6 p.m. on Good Friday, When Jesus breathed his last, the world was now a different place. The grip of power of evil had been broken and God had come to release you and I from sin and from the evil forces that oppress us. But these forces did not go down without a fight. Whenever you confront evil, be prepared for attacks. When people get baptized, be prepared to be attacked. As I was walking into this room, all of the doubts in my head, and oh, the the cameras are there, and all of these things here, I was getting attacked from all these different angles. Be prepared to be attacked when you're doing God's will. Be prepared to be attacked when you're on his team. You will be attacked. So these forces did not go down without an enormous battle. And so these attacks were from people who should have have been on the same team. Have you ever been attacked by those closest to you? By those that you have given your heart to? By those that you thought were there to protect you? By people that you thought were on your team? Because that's where Satan likes to work. He likes to work. He likes to create distrust. He likes to make us look over our shoulders and wonder who's trying to take our spot, who's trying to get from us. There's not enough in this world, so I got to hold on to everything that I have because it's, it's, there's not enough. And those attacks come from all these different places, and oh, 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 how it hurts. But Jesus was prepared for these attacks, and these attacks came from a lot of different places. They actually came from good people. There are good people that are going to unintentionally be used by Satan and attack you, and they're going to need to be forgiven, and they're going to be need to raised up and to be brought along anyway. But they had the wrong; these people had the wrong expectations as to who and what the Messiah should be. And Jesus didn't fit into their mold. He didn't come back as the warrior Messiah that's going to just Jedi smash people all over the place and, and get rid of them. And yes, we went again. He came back as a different Messiah. That's why they didn't think he was Messiah because he didn't come back the way that they'd envisioned him. And I wonder, when Jesus comes back, am I going to recognize him? am I gonna see it am i gonna am I gonna because i have an idea of what it looks like but do I have the right idea so the Pharisees the righteous ones accused him of being in a league with Be- beelzebub when he cast out demons and healed six they they called him the they said he's the prince of demons the people. and this is that's in uh matthew twelve uh twenty two through twenty four uh the people accused him of being Uh, Possessed by a demon. They actually called him, the people retorted, you Samaritan devil. You could not have said anything any more insulting to to a Jew, much less a rabbi, much less our father. The religious temple leaders, they attacked him for eating with sinners and prostitutes. And these were the priests who should have been seeking these lost people. You know those people over there. You know that guy who wore his hat in church that one time. We're the people that are supposed to be seeking that. I see myself in in all three of those, those groups of people. Maybe I would have attacked him. When you think about it, Jesus comes to bring hope and forgiveness to those in greatest need. And yet he was opposed by people who should have been doing this all along. Lord, let us be people who are doing this all along. What are some things that God's been asking you to do that you're resisting Ask that question, Lord, what are some things that you're asking me to do that I've been resisting? It was cool when people act out in faith and they do what God's called them to do. Uh, I'll show you a picture here. Uh, we had uh, somebody, the daycare, our daycare here at the church was in need. And today, uh, or this last week, actually, somebody came in with a load of uh, food that they had requested and donated uh a bunch of food that's probably setting them up for quite some time. I mean, look at all the food in this picture. Because God told him to do that. And so they did it. Jesus wept over a city and people who were blind to the needs of others. He's like, guys, you've missed it. You've missed what God's trying to do. Let me show you. Matthew 23, 13, and 14, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door on the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who who enter who are trying to. Why are you putting up a wall? Lord, help me not put up any walls. Lord, let me be relatable. Let people see our hearts for you. In Matthew 23, 37 through nine, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those uh, those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather uh, your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. I want it. I, he wants everyone. Come on. Come on. Are you willing? Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So revolution always, when we think about a revolution, it always requires a great cost. I think about the people that signed the Declaration of Independence. And if you go through their names, what the, what it cost them to have their name on that piece of paper was, was I don't know if I would have signed it. I don't know if I have that much chutzpah, but revolution always requires a great cost. See, Jesus counted the cost. He faced down the powers of darkness, allowing them to do their worst. All of it happening, a lot of it happening that last week in Jerusalem. I mean, think of this picture of like, of, of Jesus, uh, diving, diving on a grenade and taking the full force. Uh, This photo is of a gentleman named uh, Kyle Carpenter, and Kyle was a Marine. And Kyle dove on a grenade to protect a fellow soldier. He's had over 40 surgeries. He's blind in one eye. Uh, He had over 30 fractures in his arm, and he lost all of his lower teeth. When somebody lays down their life or is willing to lay down their life for someone else, we see that as a great, great act of love. And like a soldier in the midst of battle, willing to fall on grenades in order to save his fellow soldiers, Jesus did that for us. With single-mindedness, he faced down the powers of evil that tried to derail him because there was a great cost for this revolution to be started. In Matthew 26, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called uh, Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell With his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me for at least one hour? I know it's after Passover and you've had lots of wine and your bellies are full, but I am going through it. Where are you? And asked Peter that, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, my father, it is, uh, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. I am willing. He showed us how to be willing. Are we willing? So all these powers of evil were congregated that day in Jerusalem in in opposition to the Son of God. And Jesus went to the cross anyway. And he defeated them with the power of death. He fell on the grenade of evil, exhausting its power so that you and I could live forever. There is no greater hope that I can talk to you about on this Palm Sunday. There is No virus, no command and shelter uh, in place, no sickness or death that can separate you or me from the absolute love that God has for you. Jesus defeated the sin of death. We have hope. We have promise that can never, ever be derailed. Evil tried its hardest, but yet Jesus continues to be victorious today in 2020. We're talking about something that happened 2,020 years ago. Who was who was the Super Bowl champ 10 years ago? I don't know. I don't know. But we're talking about Jesus Christ 2,000 years later. In 1 Corinthians uh, 15, through 58, it says, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's a new world. He brought a new creation. He started a revolution. And this is a different sort of power that started a revolution. He didn't use the power of might in his right arm and military. He didn't give the Jews the Messiah they were expecting. He gave them something better that we, as Gentiles, get to live out today. We continue to live out his revolution that he started. We're part of a revolution. He took the place of sinners. He defeated the dark powers that had enslaved the world by laying down his life. He implemented a power that this world has never seen and still doesn't understand to this day. A power of self-giving love. Now, could God have come in a military fashion and just cleaned house? Absolutely, but he came differently. Violence is not the answer. He came with peace and hope and heart and love and sacrifice. That's what started a revolution was grace and peace. Peace. And it's a revolution that can't be stopped. That's why we're still talking about it. And on Easter morning, next Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, Jesus passed through death and came out on the other side. And because Jesus was victorious, death no longer held power over mankind. And death no longer is the final answer to the grave for you or for me. The revolution has begun. We can partner with it right now. And I know the next morning when the Jewish folks woke up to a new world and there was this new creation, it took a long time for them to understand it. And I know for us, when we wake up tomorrow and we hear about the death tolls that are rising from this virus, we need to stop. We should hear the cries of the oppressed. We should hear their hearts and know where they are. Like, we need to stop right now. There's a chance people are, have died as we've preached this sermon. And those families are heartbroken. And how do we come alongside people? What does God's people look like during a time of crisis? Yes, we're not blindly walking thinking that everything's gonna be okay. But we're gonna stand strong in our faith. We're gonna believe that the revolution isn't over, that no virus is gonna stop God's revolution. So what does this say to us today? Regardless of what we may face, we are no longer at evil's at evil's mercy. Death no longer has a stranglehold on us. Jesus walked through it and exited to the other side. The battle was won on the cross, and heaven came crashing into earth. And so you and I, let's live like it did. Joyfully, sacrificially, and full of the certainty of the goodness of God. So we're going to take this time to go to communion. So grab your communion supplies as we sit here and think about what do you want from us, Lord? How can I partner with you in the revolution that you started? What do you have on my heart to do that, that, that has to be done and I'm the one to do it? How can I be impacting the world with you and for you one person at a time? And so we come to the table. We come to that table, this time where we get to recognize who he was and what he did. And so the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. And the same way, After supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim it. Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this time. I ask you just have your hand upon the people of our community. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for helping us all have the courage to practice physical distancing but work hard at staying socially intimate with each other. As you just put those continued phone calls and FaceTimes and the different ways we're seeing each other, uh, put those on our hearts to do that, to stay connected. Help us be physically distant but socially close. I know I've missed The people here, Lord. I can't wait for the time we get to come back. But Lord, let us do our part to continue to help uh, curb this, give us the the courage and the boldness to do this. I ask for a special hand upon marriages, Lord. I've heard reports about just different marriages that have been struggling because they're cooped up in the same house all day. Lord, I ask for your hand upon Carrie and I as as, as we've gone through our own challenges. I ask you to just be with all of our children all over that are away from us, for for everybody here. Uh, Be with our families. Let us meet you in amazing places, Lord. Take us there. We're ready. And we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.